Welcome to The Radiant Life with Tatiana. I am your host and I'm obsessed with empowering you to live and create the best life possible. I'm a master mindset coach, breathwork facilitator, and a passionate little Latina who loves sharing the magic behind your subconscious mind and energetics. If you're looking to uplevel your mindset, learn all about spirituality and manifestation, and to be inspired in making a change to embody your best self, you are in the right place. My goal is for you to see and unlock your limitless potential, to have the tools to break free from the chains holding you back so you can create and live your most radiant life. I am so excited to have you here listening today. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Radiant Life Podcast. Today's episode is so informative and I believe every single person needs to hear it. I had the privilege to interview Lihi Negri, who is a licensed mental health psychotherapist, and we cover so much. We talk about the difference between coaching and therapy, how to find a good coach or therapist, what to look for, but we go so deep into understanding what is trauma. We hear this word get thrown around a lot and We really want to break it down so you can understand it, not only in a scientific level, but also a way that you can digest and understand what traumas you may have. And she covers a little bit on her story and how she helps clients heal from depression, eating disorders, trauma, so that they can feel empowered, free, and liberated within themselves again. Lee is a licensed EMDR therapist. So this is a specific technique that she shares in depth on how it supports her clients in healing. And we even talk about how it compares to the work I do within MER and ways for you to move through trauma, move through healing, how it impacts your life, how it impacts your manifestations and just so much more. There's so much beautiful wisdom coming from her. And I truly hope it inspires you to look within, maybe seek guidance in the right way and live your most radiant life. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone. And welcome to another episode on the radiant life podcast. Today is about to be good and we're about to go in depth because I have Lihi Negri here who is a licensed mental health psychotherapist. She helps adults heal from trauma, depression, eating disorders, and so much more as her main objective is to help guide her clients to cultivating self-empowerment, wisdom, and liberation. And I know because we were just chatting a little bit and I was like, well, let me press record because we're about to go into so much good, juicy, juicy things for you guys here, but welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Tatiana. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited for today's conversation. Me too. So before we get started, as we almost yeah. did right before we recorded, <laughs> tell tell those listening a little bit of who you are, what you do, and kind of like, how did you get into what you do now? Yeah, totally. Um, so just like you said, I'm a psychotherapist. And for those of you who don't necessarily know what a psychotherapist is, it's just a fancy way to say we're mental health therapists or mental health providers. So in order to be mental health providers, we need to go to graduate school and pursue training and education in clinical psychology, mental health awareness, resources, and any type of specific strategies and treatment modalities to help clients 
heal from mental health disorders. Um, but it doesn't necessarily just have to be for mental health disorders or any diagnosis like that. Um, therapy is an amazing tool and an empowering tool to help anyone with really any struggles. Um, so even though in its origin, it comes from psychology and the idea of helping those who really struggle with clinical diagnoses, such as clinical depression or clinical anxiety or bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, et cetera. Mental health therapy is really a great modality for anyone who struggles with just general life struggles, maybe relationship issues, maybe uh, lack of skills or struggles with being able to problem solve around any areas of life, career, personal, um, uh, relationships, et cetera. So it's that idea of meeting you where you're at and helping you achieve your goals to help you achieve your fullest potential. I love that. I love all of that. So how did you get into that? Like, what yeah. did you know as a kid? That's what you wanted to be? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like when you ask most therapists, how did you know you wanted to become a therapist? We all have our story. We all have reasons why we chose that path mm -hmm. i think to a certain extent i really can talk on behalf of everyone but to a certain extent from my experiences connecting with other therapists um we all have our background and own struggles that said we want to make a change we want to be able to help others who may have struggled the way we struggled and give others the resources the tools the support the education the insight, the awareness, whatever it may be, that we didn't necessarily have. Mm. So it's not uncommon for therapists to come from background of trauma or uh, abuse or any type of other vulnerabilities or struggles. Um, so my story does obviously include some of those elements. Like I feel like most people do, especially most therapists. Um, and I just remember always growing up uh, being called that sensitive one or that emotional mm. one. Um, and it took me some time to realize and understand that being sensitive and being emotional is actually super unique and I should not take that for granted. Um, and I should actually use that rather than view it as a weakness or limitation. It was something yeah. that was always used as, as something super restricting or just not good or a bad trait, a weak trait to have. Um, but I was able to grow out of it through my own journey and my own work. Um, and really understand that being so empathetic, emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent is a huge skill that really allows us to connect with one another and have a meaningful life and a purposeful life. So I took that and I ran with that. I, I studied psychology um, and I realized that's what I wanted to do. I love that. And I think that's so true because I feel like our society, I don't know about you, but like growing up, like, yeah, like having emotions was weak, whether you were female or a male. And like, it was kind of like judged upon or like, don't cry. You're a big crybaby. And it's like, mm -hmm. emotions are a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. If you, if you can't feel the depths of sadness, how are you expect to experience the highs of joy and bliss personally? Totally. That's what I believe. And I feel totally. like we all have our own unique gifts and it's like, you were clearly gifted to being open and sensitive and, and in tune with your emotions. It's like, why not use those gifts? Your, those were your God-given gifts. Like let's use them Absolutely. for good. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you were able to kind of um, embrace, embrace those, those Thank qualities you. of yourself. Thank so you. psychotherapist, I want to go a little bit more deeper into that. Like some of the tools that you have, because I saw that um, I know we've talked about, like I, my background's in NLP. And so mm -hmm. I do different like approaches. So I guess let's, let's go, let's first start into, let's distinguish the difference between coaching 
and therapy. Cause I feel that yeah. not many people truly understand the difference of like what they could use support on. And sometimes it could be this or that, or this and that, um, what, what's your intake on the difference between the two? Totally. Totally. Okay. So the idea of the difference, the main difference between, uh, therapy and coaching, um, Coaching is going to be something that's more short-term and more specific compared to therapy or psychotherapy. Again, we're going to use psychotherapy and therapy interchangeably. They essentially mean the same thing. Um, psycho means of the brain or human behavior and study of the brain and therapy is that. So coaching is going to be very specific. Um, so someone may benefit from coaching if they have a specific struggle and a specific life aspect. Like maybe they need help with confidence right maybe they need help with specific communication skills maybe they need help with problem solving around time management or budgeting or maybe they need some help with some boosting of self-esteem or um, just general life skills like that not to god forbid undermine coaching and, and oh no yeah coaching it's a beautiful beautiful thing it's a specific niche and it's very very um specific for those certain areas of life um, therapy, on the other hand, is going to be something that's a bit more complex and a bit more long term. So coaches are going to be the ones who ask how and what, right? So what's the issue? Let's identify the problem and how, how can we fix it? Mm-hmm. Therapists, on the other hand, they're also going to have that element of how and what. Ultimately, we want to help our clients change. But the main word and the main question behind therapists is why, yeah. right? Why do I struggle the way I struggle? Why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I think the way I think? What has happened in my life? What has happened in my history, in my childhood, in my upbringing? What experience impacted me so deeply that 20 years after I still suffer, I suffer or I still struggle with any, you know, with any responses or symptoms that are related to that mm-hmm. specific experience? So with therapy, we really ask that general question, why? And then we get more and more specific. Yeah, no. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that. I like, it's funny because like for me, my natural question is why? Like my entire childhood, I was like, but mom, but why? But why? So I incorporate (laughs) a lot of the why in my coaching, but I think that's Mm -hmm. a beautiful, a beautiful representation of the two. And like what I, what I like to tell people is like therapy. Yeah. You're getting kind of to the root, right? Like, why is it that you operate the way you do? And the importance of that is for awareness because of what, without awareness, you can't make change. And I, then I like to explain coaching as very like action oriented, like, okay, here's the goal. You want to improve confidence or you want to find your soulmate, or you want to 10 X your business income, whatever it is you're focusing on. Kind of, like you said, you focus on a specific area of life. Um, And it's like, okay, the how, like, what do you want? And then how are we going to get there? And it's like, okay, cool. What do you need to change to be able to have this goal of yours? Yeah. And, and then sometimes during that coaching, you got to figure out the why of like, well, why are you scared to do this? Is there an emotion? Is there trauma? Is there negative belief? Right. And um, that's where therapy can come into play. And that's why I like to say, it's like, it can be this and that, that doesn't always have to be this or that. So to add to that, Tatiana, a lot of the time, a lot of my clients, I work collaborate and I collaborate with their um, empowerment coaches or life coaches, and we work together because I really do believe that helping people takes a team. It takes a village. Yeah. We're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to be alone. 
you know, just with our clients one-on-one. So if we're able to really collaborate with a team of professionals, how amazing and how lucky are the clients who get to receive that help. So as part of my work, I work a lot with empowerment coaches like yourself. I work a lot with uh, dietitians and, and re- registered dietitians and nutritionists. I work a lot with psychiatrists as well. And then together we're able to collaborate. So we each bring our own expertise mm-hmm. and we each bring our unique approach and perspective. And together the clients really get a holistic healing, which I is love really, that. really necessary. Absolutely. That's, that's that's so powerful. Like you said, it does take a village. It, it, like if you look at the top successful people, they all have coaches or mentors or, or just mm-hmm. support under them. They're not meant to do it alone. And um, that's so cool that you partner, partner with that because that's what yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I I just think there's so much beauty in that. So within your form of therapy, I know that you do EMDR and where I do more MER. So I would love Mm -hmm. to, because I know I throw that around. I know people have probably heard about like EMDR. Let's dissect that a little bit more into like the differences of your, like what you specialize in versus maybe what I do and just kind of like giving people more of like a a strong foundation of like tools and maybe people don't even understand that there are these resources and support to help them overcome whatever it is they may be struggling with. So EMDR, what does that stand for? Totally, totally. Um, So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Now I know this sounds like super lengthy and super (laughs) fancy. It's like, whoa, 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 what did you just say? So we can definitely break it down in a very simplistic way. I believe that knowledge is, is power and I love educating my clients. And I believe that when people understand why we do what we do and what something is and how it works and the science and the evidence behind it, yes. they're going to be much more likely to succeed and they're going to be much more likely to heal. Um, and also it makes us feel empowered. We know something, we understand something and how it works. So we can uh, jump into EMDR and what it is, but maybe even to give some foundation. Yeah. Um, ideally and and, and, um, the idea behind EMDR is that it's a trauma therapy modality so something we need to understand and that's another thing by the way that differentiates for example empowerment coaches um, with psychotherapists is in our training as psychotherapists we go through specific education training certifications etc that allow us to treat people who are actually diagnosed with clinical diagnosis or psychiatric diagnosis again such as depression anxiety Mm -hmm. bipolar trauma ptsd is one of them etc right um so when for example someone like you who is an empowerment coach is able to help someone with the how and the what then you keep hitting a wall that maybe would be really complemented by a psychotherapist to really help and dive into that clinical perspective and then together we really create a good collaboration um, so for example, if you work with someone with trauma, do you have clients who struggle with trauma or have had history of trauma in their lives? Yeah, I actually would say like, I would love for us to go into even what is trauma because I share with people yeah. like I'm trauma informed, I'm a trauma informed coach and breathwork facilitator. And mm-hmm. I don't have, mm-hmm. like, I know to an extent of trauma compared to therapists like you who have so much more of a deeper tools understanding. And this is why I always have calls with people before we work together because totally. I will never sign work with someone. If I'm like, wait, 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 this is deeper. And this isn't mm-hmm. my area of expertise. And I, and I just love that we're talking about this because I, I believe the coaching industry, some people are kind of taking too much of what they um yeah could be chewing, could chew. Mm-hmm. And, and trauma mm-hmm. is something to be handled with so much care 
and, and, and carefulness and education around it. So I, I love that we're going into this. So you, yes, I, I have had trauma. I have clients that have a trauma. Yeah. Um, let's break down like what trauma is and maybe your definition uh, of that for people to really understand. Totally, totally. Let's start from the basic. I love that. And I couldn't agree with you more. So the idea of trauma and the definition of trauma is actually very subjective, meaning it's personal, but depending on whether or not a person is going to identify or find an event as traumatic or call it a trauma. Yeah. Ideally, trauma is any event that a person has experienced in his or her life that continues to create distress and disruption and dysfunction in any area of their lives after the fact, after the event has happened whether it's one month or whether it's 10 years or 30 years after the event happened. If a person continues to struggle with triggers and symptoms, such as maybe agitation mm-hmm. or intense fear or constantly feeling on edge or intense anxiety um, or any type of defense mechanism like that, um, after the event has happened, that, that will be considered trauma. And we want to separate scary and painful events and even the stressful events from trauma, because someone can experience and endure a very stressful, very scary, and even sad and painful event, but that does not necessarily make it a trauma. Mm. What's going to make something a trauma is depending on the individual themselves. So we call it by the biosocial model, kind of like nature versus nature. If some of our listeners maybe have heard about that before, that that term can be a bit more familiar Mm -hmm. for some people. Um, The idea that we have different components within us that are going to make it more likely or not, whether or not an event is going to be registered in our brain and experienced as a trauma. Let's start with the bio part of the biosocial model. So the bio part has to do with the biology, right? So what are someone's genetic, what is someone's genetic predisposition, Mm -hmm. right? What is someone's uh, brain development? Um, What are they coded for and their genes and their genetic makeup? Just like we're all coded for a different hair color and eye color and skin color and height and weight and all that stuff. We're also coded for emotional temperament and emotional vulnerability. Some people are going to be more quote unquote sensitive. Yeah, not good or bad. It just means that maybe they're going to react differently or have uh, a different reaction to different stressors in the environment. Mm-hmm. This has to do with a lot of brain development stuff that happened when we're in the uterus. And you know, there's a lot of science that goes behind that. And also just hereditary stuff. People who, are, who have mental health issues and mental health disorders in their family are going to be anywhere from 15 to 50% much more likely to suffer and struggle with mental health issues themselves, right? Thinking about those who struggle with depression, anxiety, bipolar, yeah. addiction, it runs in the family. It's a thing. Again, just like um, hair color and skin color does, so does our mental health. So before we even have a chance in this world, we're already brought into this world with a whole <laughs> genetic makeup and a predisposition of what's going to happen to us, kind of. Yeah, um, for sure. It's like <laughs> right? generational so trauma. Yes, absolutely. It's a thing. Absolutely. Um, another part of the bio, part of the biosocial model Um, The amygdala, right? So the amygdala is a component in our brain. We have a bunch of different structures and uh, parts in our brain, and each structure is responsible for different things. The amygdala is that part in the brain that's responsible for emotions Mm -hmm. and processing emotions, understanding emotions, responding to emotions, et cetera. Um, And studies show us that some people are actually born with an enlarged amygdala, 
that's just larger than, than the average or the most of the people in society. And those people with an enlarged amygdala are going to be those who are going to have be more reactive to emotions. Mm. Again, not good or bad, but they are going to process emotions differently than maybe someone with a quote unquote normal or average size amygdala. Does that yeah. make sense? Yep. Yeah. So that's the biology part. The social part and the social component of the biosocial model is looking at our environment, looking at our upbringing, looking at the people in our lives and how they have uh, nurtured us or not, supported us or not. What did they teach us? Did they teach us any skills? Did they teach us any um, coping skills and strategies, any tools to put in our toolbox to be able to deal with stressful events and, and stressful uh, life, life scenarios? Two people can go through the same exact situation mm-hmm. and the same exact experience and take it completely different. And one can see an experience as traumatic and one cannot. Yeah. Why? Because of that biosocial model. Because mm-hmm. of what is their genetics? What's the genetic predisposition? And then what is the social piece? What skills do they have? How do they, how do they differentiate from one another with empowerment and support that they may have gotten throughout their life or did not get? Yeah, so that's kind of like in this. a nutshell what makes something trauma. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually really cool. There's a study and actually I even had a client even where twins, right? Yes. Same parents, mm-hmm. same upbringing, one experienced an event and turned into disordered eating, really created um, unsafeness in her body and distortion. And the other one was like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. right? And it, I, I, that's why I tell everyone, like there is no two people in this world that have the same views or model of the world as you do. We all perceive things differently based on all of our filters, our genetic makeup. And I just Mm -hmm. love that, you know, we're touching on that and nature versus nurture your genetics, Mm -hmm. right? I always say, um, I believe our generation is here to do a lot of generational trauma and healing. I feel like our generation is so open to therapy and counseling and healing where I don't know about you, but my parents, my grandparents, it wasn't like a, as common thing to talk about your feeling. So no. we have, we got, we got a big role to play. Yeah. Um, and one thing I just want to note, cause I know we're talking a lot about trauma and I, like you said, you know, it, it depends on the individual. Right. Yep. And I never want anyone listening to this to compare their trauma in the sense mm-hmm. of like, oh, but somebody had it worse than me. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trauma is trauma though. That's still, that was still your experience. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, just because you're so, for example, like a parent's divorce can be traumatic for some people while others, it could be like, no, it was beautiful. What are you talking about? Right. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. not to compare somebody who's been mentally, sexually, verbally abused for years. I mean, trauma is trauma. And when we can not undermine our own trauma because then we're kind of like sweeping it under the rug and we're not addressing our own trauma because we think it's not as big as other people's completely you're doing yourself a disservice right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have you experienced minimize that? our traumas absolutely absolutely i'm so happy you're bringing this point up tatiana because i see that a lot with a lot of all the time with my clients um a lot of the time people very they minimize their traumas and their experiences and they say oh there's no way that's trauma no yeah. way you know i wasn't god forbid raped or you know, um, 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 kidnapped or mm-hmm. physically abused or anything like that. And people would minimize it because they think that trauma needs to be this big thing that we hear about on the news or see in movies. Yeah. And this has to be this crazy, intense story. Um, and that's not the case at all. Again, trauma is any experience that someone has endured. They continue to create significant disruption and distress in someone's life 
after the fact. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. So trauma can be bullying. I was just about to go there. Yeah. mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I experienced. Divorce. Yeah. Separation. Um, Our own breakups, not just parental, but just going through breakups. That can be traumatic, right? Yeah. Um, Traumas can be um, uh, a a painful memory that we have with a family member where they made a specific comment that Mm -hmm. completely shifted the way we think and feel about ourselves. Right. So it doesn't have to be this quote unquote big, intense things that we always usually think about when we think about trauma. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this because for me, I mean, I had a lot of anger. That was my kind of uh, protection mechanism or my trigger, my emotional trigger. I would go right into anger and lash out. And, um, you know, some of it has to do with like, for example, like, you know, I did get bullied as a kid and there was so much pain and anger Mm -hmm. for some of the things that people said. And you're like, wait, that whatever, you know, you may hear what they said to me or what I thought it and not think of it as traumatic, but as a child, I created that meaning. And so I love this because like, you know, with therapy, it's like, okay, well, why why do you respond that way? Or why do you act that way? And you're able to kind of go deep. I I love asking the question why. So I love that we're here doing this. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, you probably have experienced it with clients and they have these light bulb moments and they're like, holy shit, this is why that's I, what I live I for. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I live for. And that's why I love what I do to really have clients achieve that epiphany moment and that aha moment. It's so satisfying. Yes. Yes. It is. It's like juicy. And it's funny. Cause like, sometimes I don't know about you, but like, I can like see it, but I don't want to tell them. To, I just want to like guide them to be like, totally. So yep. Do you now see how this correlates? And they're like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's really important to let our clients put their two and two together because if we do that for them, we may miss them and mm-hmm. we may not, they, they may not be ready in that moment to see that or to make that insight. They may still struggle with maybe denial or avoidance. So even though we may be as the professionals able to see it very clearly, it's not our job to just exactly. pull it out and point it out. It's our job to guide our clients and help them get there themselves. And doing it as patiently, you know, as it as it needs to take, and just as as uh, with comfort and support and love, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I just want to make a point on here because I've spoke I've spoken to so many women and men who have worked with counselors, therapists, and coaches. I'm not putting I'm not um, gonna just label one person as quote unquote bad, but sure. this there is obviously malpractice in any area, and so if you mm-hmm. find a coach or therapist who is just telling what to you to telling you what to do or, um or you're coaching them. It's scary. Some mm-hmm. of the things I've heard, I was like, I felt like I was a therapist to my therapist today. Like just, I, I want this just to be a, a little segue, not segue, just like a moment in time. Like you're coaching your therapist, your, your counselors aren't meant to just tell you what to do. They're meant to hear right. how to guide you. And I always tell my clients, Absolutely. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to help you find the answers within. And you're working with someone who doesn't make you feel that way, full permission to find someone else because there are good therapists and coaches out there. And at least I'm going to speak for the coaching industry. I believe there is a lot of malpractice in the coaching industry at this moment in time Mm -hmm. because it's so deregulated. And I've seen a lot of uh, malpractice coaches re-traumatizing clients because they are not skilled enough, educated enough. Um, yeah. or their, their ego is coming in and they're just kind of telling them what to do because of their own experience. And so, um, mm. just something I want to share that just was on my heart is just to whoever you're working with, make sure, um, your, your body tells you, your gut is telling, you will tell you, and it's okay to find someone else. It's okay Absolutely. to to figure out somebody who's a better match because, oh my goodness, when you find a therapist or a coach mm-hmm. or both, 
who, who is on your side and is for you. It's like soulmates, right? And, and on like your you level. Have, yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> magic fucking happens. And so my point, my, I just wanted to share that. I don't know if you have any two cents on what I just said, but <laughs> I'm so happy you brought it up, but you nailed it. It's absolutely true. Unfortunately, there are bad and disqualified professionals out there in all areas and in all industries mm-hmm. of life, not just in the coaching and therapy, um, but specifically for, for what you and I are familiar with. That, that's absolutely right. And unfortunately, I, I get a lot of clients who have had really bad experiences in, in therapy and I, my heart goes out to them because Thank God they were able to say, okay, I'm going to give it another shot, you know, and, and another chance and try it again. Yeah. And then we're able to do really amazing work together. But what, that makes me think about what about all the other people who never try to call yes. another therapist, right? Yeah. Who had this bad experience and they say, you know what, like therapy is just never going to be good or coaching mm-hmm. is never going to be good because look at what happened to me. There's with one this person. person. Yeah. 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 I've, so I've for had everyone say like, listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've had clients say like, well, I tried therapy once and it just wasn't it didn't feel good. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you didn't learn how to ride a bike in one session. It may not totally. be the right fit. Um, and I say that because I've worked with coaches who were, who were not, I, I don't want to say I was traumatized by coaches, but I had a bad experience with coaches and sure. I've had to do a lot of unlearning through mm-hmm. that. And so I'm not here to just say like, oh, okay, here we go. Tati and Lee are the best. No, but we're better for some people. Right. And I think this sure. is why when you have discovery calls with a, with a therapist or a coach, it's not just them seeing if you're a good fit, but it's, are they a good fit for you too? And some coaches will do a really, or therapists will do a good job with that. Mm -hmm. And some, and some unfortunately won't, and I'm not meant for everyone and that's okay. Right. I'm here to help a specific group of people just as you are. Um, just the the thing I think it's important to talk on, because I don't think people want to address that. It's not always a good fit. I appreciate that so much therapy and coaching. It's not one size fits all. And it's really crucial that we find the professional that aligns with our values, with our lifestyle, with who we are, and will meet us where we're at. And I really encourage clients and people out there to, when they call a coach or a therapist, go ahead and interview them, right? Yeah. Ask them, ask them, how can you help me? Um, when I when I jump on consultation calls with, with potential clients, I always make sure that I listen to them and I ask them what their goals are. And then I address how I will be able to specifically help them achieve A, B, C, D, whatever goals they have mentioned. I come up with an action plan right then and yeah. there um, just to give them an idea, right? I introduce my personality. I share with them how we can work together. So it's super, super important that people understand that it's not a one size fits all. And, and we really have to find that expert that clicks with us. Yeah. It's like, you know, your partner in life, you're you're Mm -hmm. not going to fall in love with every male or female out there, right? There's certain people that click. So it's the same. You vibe with people and you vibe with, you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Coming back into, so we understand what trauma (laughs) is and everybody has trauma, most likely some form of it, whether it's a big T, little T um, and not to discredit or minimize your trauma. So let's kind of go back into EMDR because I know people are probably like, wait, 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 let's bring it back. What is that? (laughs) I know it was a good segue though, because it was important to kind of like pin that and know that, but yes, yes, let's bring it back. So, okay. So going back to EMDR. So again, EMDR is a trauma therapy modality. Something we have to understand is that as therapists, when we go to our graduate school and our doctor degrees and all that stuff, and we get our trainings, we don't get training in trauma therapy. Trauma therapy is actually a niche and it's a specialty. So when we go to Mm -hmm. school, we get our trainings and certifications in general therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So 
how to help uh, clients heal from the general stuff, such as depression and anxiety, not to minimize those, but just to understand that this yeah. is going to be what most people experience. Um, but for anything specific, such as eating disorders, which is another one of my specialty or trauma therapy, right? Um, those things are going to be specific niches and specific routes we need to pursue if we want to help people who, um, who struggle with those struggles and those symptoms. So the way I like to explain it, it's kind of like you have your primary care physician, right? You go to your general doctor and then they just do the general stuff, vitals, blood work once a year, making sure everything is good. If you need anything specific, you go to a cardiologist yes. or a dermatologist, right? Or a gynecologist. These are going to be your specialty doctors because they specialize in a specific niche. Same thing with therapy. So it's super important for our audience to understand that not every therapist is going to specialize in, in this case, we're talking about trauma, so trauma therapy. And if you do, if you are looking for someone and you do want to find a therapist that will help you heal from your trauma, you have to make sure that they are trauma trained and trauma certified. And it doesn't have to be EMDR. I am passionate about EMDR. I will always root for EMDR and I'll explain why in a second. Um, but any modality that's legit, right? You can even Google it and make sure it's legit, it's evidence-based, it's real. Um, as long as it's trauma therapy and the therapist has an experience with that, then then you, you should be good, right? Yeah. Um, so that's very, very important to understand that. So that's kind of like the first point. Um, so EMDR is a trauma therapy protocol or modality. And the idea behind it is very, very fascinating because it's purely based on how our brains work when trauma is registered in our brain. So I'm going to uh -huh. do some science and some education on that, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, so when we all have our processing system in our brain, earlier in our conversation, I talked about the, how the brain has different structures, right? We talked about the amygdala. There's another structure in the brain called the AIP, the adaptive information processing system, but we're just going to call it a processing system. And the processing system, we all have it. And the goal of it, just like the name suggests, is to process information. So there's just so much simulation and different things that are happening in a given day, in a given moment, that we need to be able to take that simulation, process it, and put it aside and store it in our memory box, or else we would literally get so overwhelmed, you know, and we will not be able to handle or function anything. So that's the goal of the processing uh, system. That's the job of the processing system. It takes information and stimulation from the environment, it processes it, and then it puts it away in our memory box. And then when we ever need to retrieve that information, then we'll be able to just dig in and then bring that back, right? Mm, yeah. But the goal is to be able to put information aside so we can continue to stay focused. Right, so right now, Tatiana, you and I, we're making eye contact, we're nodding our heads, right? We're moving our hands. Our processing system of both of us, they're turned on and they're taking that information and they're putting it aside. There's no significant distress that's happening here. If anything, it's a very pleasant and enjoyable conversation. Yeah. Um, so if I were to ask you, Tatiana, you know, what did I, what did you, what movie did you watch last night or what did you have for lunch yesterday? <laughs> right? It's not at the forefront of your mind, but if you needed to bring that information, your processing system will retrieve that from the memory box and bring that back. Yes. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the processing system. Sometimes we go through experiences that there's a lot of stimulation. It's not a typical conversation or a typical lunch or a typical movie. Maybe this is an intense situation. Maybe we're going through a car accident and there's a lot going on and we're stuck and we're coming in and out of consciousness and 
um, all of a sudden um, we'll see flames and we're just trying to fight for our life. Our fight flight mechanism is turned on and now that creates disruption in that processing system. Mm -hmm. So the processing system is very functional and very effective if there's no distress happening whatsoever. But if there's a little bit of distress or there's, a, there's a intense experiences that are going on in the moment, that will disrupt the processing system. It doesn't make it impossible, the processing system, to store the event successfully, but it makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, if an event is more and more painful, distressful, intense, extreme, etc., remember, it's subjective because it can be a horrific car accident. It can also be just a really, really bad bullying experience. If there's significant distress that disrupts the processing system from processing the event and the memory, that gets in the way. But the processing system has to keep going. So the processing system takes that event in that memory, puts it in that memory box. But Mm -hmm. now it's been put in the memory box in a very, what we call, unsuccessful way. It wasn't processed successfully Mm, because there's a lot of distress associated with it. And the goal of the processing system is to put experiences and memories away without any distress. The processing system wants to achieve an equilibrium, right? A tranquil and, and very chill state. Yeah. Um, but it can't do that when it places memories with intense distress attached to it. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. I know it's kind of complex, but. No, I, I mean, maybe for me, I have a little bit of an understanding. And for those of you, if it's, yeah. it's a little over your head, maybe just rewind a few minutes, but and re-listen. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it makes total sense. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So now the question is, well, what happens when it, when the processing system quote unquote failed or was not successful in being able to put that memory or that event in the memory box without any distress? That is trauma. That is how scientifically speaking, trauma is registered in the brain and how an event becomes traumatic. So EMDR comes in. So EMDR has been out since around the eighties. Um, and since then, it's been developed and proven to be extremely valid and extremely reliable. It's been studied for numerous and numerous of different populations, different people with different cultures, backgrounds, gender, sex, etc. Um, and it's been extreme, proven to be extremely successful. And people who go through EMDR therapy are in the 95th percentile and up of success rates to be able to heal from their trauma. Wow. This is why I'm super passionate about it. And how does that work? The founder of EMDR therapy says, well, if we understand that this is how trauma happens, how can we tap that, tap into the processing system, retrieve and take that memory, reprocess it, desensitize to it, and be able to store it back in the memory box without any distress attached to it? And in a nutshell, that's the theme and that's the idea of EMDR. That's what we're doing with EMDR. Let's focus for a second on the D and the um, R, desensitization mm-hmm. and reprocessing. We, tap, we help our clients with specific strategies and protocols tap into the processing system. We bring the memory back. We help them reprocess it. And as a result, they get desensitized to the memory. And this is a key here. And I want to put a disclaimer out there for everyone who's listening. We're not robots. We're not machines. We cannot erase or delete, mm-hmm. press the delete button and, and, and erase memories and experiences. We will never be able to. But what we can do is we can desensitize ourselves to it and make sure that we don't have these trauma responses. So if I do think about this awful bullying experience, I don't shut down and go into severe mode of panic. Yeah. 
or if I do think about um, the car accident that I went through, I don't get into a panic attack or I have an intense level of anxiety every time I even think about being behind a wheel or driving the same road I took when I got into that car accident. That's the idea of trauma therapy. It doesn't help us uh, delete memories or erase them because we literally can't do it. But what it does, is it helps us heal where we can no longer need to learn how to cope with it. So how do I cope and what are the tools to help me with panic attacks? Sure, that's great. That's amazing. But I want to help you not get panic attacks. I want to help you not shut down or yeah. break down every time you perceive a threat or perceive um, um, invalidation from someone. Right. We want to take those reactions and those trauma responses and we want to create a healing for them and not uh, not just coping skills because coping skills are great, but they're not enough. Yeah. You got, so you got to get rid of the root. Right. You got to yeah, do the exactly. healing of it versus just kind of like putting a bandaid over it. You nailed it. Bingo. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So my my curiosity. Um, I've never done EMDR definitely like I've always been interested. Um, is yeah. it one session? Is it something that you you know, for, do you work with clients like on a one-off or is it like, okay, we do it, but then there's follow-ups to it. Like, how does, how does that work? Great question. Great question. Um, so let me answer that. Let me explain the E and the M part of the EMDR, the I movement, and then we'll explain how that works in the length of sessions. Um, so originally when EMDR was created, the founder said, well, how can we tap into that processing system? Right. How do we do that? It's done through eye movement. We call it bilateral stimulation. Bi stands for two and lateral is side to side. So studies show us that if we create bilateral stimulation within our bodies, we're able to tap into that processing system. And when we do that, we can go ahead and retrieve any memories and any experiences and reprocess them and Mm -hmm. ultimately desensitize ourselves to them. So originally EMDR and the bilateral stimulation of EMDR was done through eye movement. Mm-hmm. So the client would sit in front of the therapist and the therapist, the, the therapist would move their fingers from side to side. And it's not hypnosis. That's important to understand. It's, it's different. Um, hypnosis is a completely different modality. Um, so the therapist would move their fingers from side to side. And then the client would go ahead and follow their fingers with their eyes without moving their head. So mm-hmm. essentially every time the eyes cross over one side of the bridge of the nose to the other, that creates a bilateral stimulation in the brain. And when we do that, when we have our clients move their eyes from side to side, while we ask them to think about those certain events, those certain traumas and guide them in specific part of the EMDR protocol, which is specific questions and specific strategies and skills that creates that reprocessing, which ultimately would lead to the desensitization. But since then, since the eighties, EMDR has developed. So it no longer is necessarily just done through eye movement. That is the classic and the traditional, the OG way of doing that. Um, but bilateral stimulation can be done in any way. So the way I like to do it with my clients is through what we call the butterfly hug or tapping. So essentially you'll take your thumbs and cross them over and then you will tap one palm of your hand on one side of your chest and the other, just like that. And that creates wow. bilateral stimulation. You could also do tapping on one thigh and the other or on one knee and the other, right? Um, people can do it through audio. So maybe they can wear headphones that do one um, sound on one ear and one sound on the other. You can follow a light or a dot on a screen. Anything that would create bilateral stimulation. Yep. Um, Before COVID, when I would see clients in person, I would give them handles and those handles would send vibrations. Mm. Nothing painful, just kind of like when your phone goes off. 
and then it would go from one hand to another buzzing from one hand to another that's bilateral stimulation that's so cool yeah so that is how we are able to tap into that processing system um to answer the question of how long does it last so it really really depends studies show us that there's significant improvement from even just doing one session of emdr let alone if we can do more of them um depending on the trauma depending on the complexity of the trauma and also depends where is the person at so when clients first start working with me we never just jump into emdr trauma therapy because that would be really irresponsible and risky of me as their therapist to do you know as a therapist i have my clients best interest in mind and i gotta make sure i'm keeping them safe so I need to get to know them and understand them and understand the daily stressors and struggles and make sure they have enough coping skills, just like we talked about, which are good, they're essential, they're vital. We need coping skills. So I gotta make sure I educate them and give them a lot of tools and strategies before we open their traumas or else we are facing the risk of re-traumatizing someone Mm. or really leaving someone really raw and vulnerable. So it really depends on the situation. But for example, if someone struggles with a sing, what we call a single episode trauma, which maybe it was one event and one experience, maybe rape, for example. Someone mm-hmm. was raped once, right? Or maybe someone was bullied just that one time and it wasn't a recurring thing. That can essentially be something that can be completed within a month to three months. Mm-hmm. So maybe meeting once a week for 45 minutes or 90 minutes, doing double sessions could be really helpful too. And that's something that can really be healed within anywhere from a minimum of a month to um to up to a couple of months three months even um if someone has a history of much more complex trauma that will of course take longer and it really again depends on what their trauma is because when we do emdr we also can open a lot of other traumas and people may realize oh lihi i didn't even remember this or i didn't even realize that this is a trauma for me and then we end up working on those things too right so yes the therapy work extends a bit longer but it's all necessary and beneficial Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it comes to the point of like, for me, like my practice, like my coaching, even though I don't, you know, I I, I work with trauma, but it's not like what I'm focused on. I can handle it as it comes up is like, I I don't just do one-off coaching or one-off breakthrough session (laughs) because it's not a magic pill. It's not realistic. No, no. Like think about how much pain or how much you've been operating in this old operating system for, for how many years, however old you are, like one therapy session, one coaching session ain't going to cut it. Right. And so exactly, I, I love that um, exactly. you're explaining that. And I think it's important to know, like, yeah, every, every, every body is different and, um, healing is different for mm-hmm. everyone. It's not like the same thing and everyone has different traumas, right. Different meaning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that it, it can open up more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like something that I don't think people fully understand that like, wait, where did this just come from? Like, yeah. I thought I was healing. Why am I feeling more emotion? And I was like, well, sometimes it's your body is way of feeling safer to kind of process the other trauma you had that it suppressed mm-hmm. because it was too painful or you didn't have mm-hmm. the coping tools to move through that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. I love that. I love this. I think mm-hmm. it's so cool. I want to experience EMDR. I'm like, I'm so interested because I do, um, I do MER. So do you know, have you heard about Please that? Please tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. So, so MER is mental and emotional release. Um, it's uh-huh. from a, it's from NLP. So, uh, what's it called? Richard Bandler, the mentor I learned from him and his dad kind of really supported in creating NLP. Um, he's been doing it for like, he has, he's Dr. Mac James, but anyways, so they labeled it as MER mental and emotional release. 
mm-hmm. it's an alternative therapeutic approach where we're, we're working with negative emotions, sometimes trauma, um, limiting yep. beliefs. And, you know, sometimes that's PTSD. Sometimes that's, um, like a phobia, but essentially all the same thing, right? Like they're all like very, uh, high, highly charged thoughts, feelings, and memories. And yeah. it's based on the, um, the premise that our subconscious mind has a timeline and that, you know, when we close our eyes, our subconscious mind doesn't necessarily know, um, time. Like it just, mm-hmm. it really is. And so it's allowing us to, it's in it such a different way, but go back into that time and releasing that emotion or that decision to that belief and, and doing Absolutely. healing on such a uh, subconscious level. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I could go way more deeper into the, totally. the studies, but, um, <laughs> very similar thing. And again, proven studies of a hundred percent success rate for those that were clinically depressed and, and mm-hmm. it's releasing, like you kind of said there, it's not erasing it, right. It's mm-hmm. healing it. It's removing mm-hmm. that emotional charge, the, or the, um, the sting from that memory, from the event. And, um, it's based per- pretty much based on the premise that our subconscious mind just has this timeline. Do you, have you guys like how much in therapy do you guys work with the subconscious? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to make assumptions um, here. <laughs> no, that's a good question. I mean, Zygmunt Freud, which is the father of psychology. Yes. He was all about the subconscious. This is the origin and, and the birth of psychology. It's all from the subconscious, right? It's all from, from that uh, subconscious mind. And EMDR actually connects really well to that because we're retrieving memories and experiences that have been so traumatic and painful that our brain completely suppressed and pushed it so far into that subconscious yeah. mind that we think we no longer are aware of, but it continues to affect us every single day of our lives. So with the MDR, we tap into the subconscious mind for sure. And that's why a lot of the time when I work with clients, so much more comes out that it wasn't just that one experience or that one trauma that originally brought them into therapy to begin with. Yeah. And I think this is just a really cool point that like... I- I mean, I can't speak on one is better than the other, right? I've never experienced EMDR. I think there's a, a beautiful amount of different resources and tools mm-hmm. to help everyone heal that, that, that may resonate mm-hmm. with them more, right? And totally. I just think it's more of an encouragement of like, it's not this or that, it's what what works for you, right? Like some, some of my clients like love the subconscious timeline healing work. Some love breath work because we're getting into mm-hmm. the body and we're releasing the emotions and the healing on a cellular level, right? I, I think it's- Amazing, amazing. Yes, yes. A big So again, therapy belt. is not one size fits all. So there's so many different approaches and school of thoughts. And this is why it's important that when people find coaches and therapists, they find those professionals that really have that unique approach and specialization that works for them and works for their lifestyle and values and mentality. Absolutely. Have you done EMDR like yourself as a, like as a client? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I can share a little bit about that story. Yeah. Um, So early on in my career, I realized that every single one of my clients has trauma, honestly, (laughs) again, because trauma is subjective. So I realized that everyone has been affected in some way, shape or form, whatever it may be through some sort of a traumatic experience. Think about it. I mean, there's just no way that we can go through this entire lifetime without having <laughs> at least one trauma, one event that affected us I in know. such a negative way. There's just no way. So I quickly realized the demand in the field because I wanted so deeply to be able to help my clients, but I knew I wasn't trained and specialized in it. Because again, it's not something they teach you in school. You have to pursue that. 
And now I understand why it's a specialty because it's so complex and you need mm. to be really delicate and very strategic and intelligent when we support our clients with trauma. So I realized that demand in the field and I said, okay, I, I need to get my hands on it because I'm here and I'm destined to help people and I want to help people all the way. Because if I only stopped at general therapy, I would be able to help them achieve certain goals and insight and awareness. Um, but then I would keep hitting a wall. And that happens to me with a lot of clients who call for consultations and, and want to work together is that they have done therapy before and overall they had a good experience and it was great and successful, but then they felt like they couldn't um, continue to process or do a certain healing because the therapist they work with is not specialized oh. in trauma. So either they would kind of call the shots and say, I need to move on to someone who specializes or even their own therapist would say, this is what we can achieve together. We've done everything we can given my training and, and specialties. Let me refer you. Let me connect you with someone who does specialize in therapy so you can take your healing to the next level. Because mm -hmm. doing trauma therapy, it's kind of like an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, it is taking it's a you to whole that next other level. level. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I realized the demand. I wanted to help others. I started doing research and reading the statistics about trauma and how does it happen and all that stuff and different uh, uh, trauma therapy modalities and approaches. And I came across EMDR and I started reading it and I was just fascinated by the studies and the literature and the books around it. And I said, this is it. You know, I was comparing it. I was talking to other colleagues who specialize in different types of, of trauma therapy modalities. And I really connected with EMDR and how it works. It just made so sense, so much sense to me the success rates were through the roof and I, I knew this was the one. So I pursued the training in it. It's a very rigorous training. It's a week long training of 40 hours that you um, have to do a lot of training, a lot of exposure, there's tests. And even after that week long, there's three months of supervision and homework and a lot of case cases and conceptualizations that we have yeah. to submit. Yeah, so it's intense, validly so, right? We, we're, we're dealing with people's lives here and their trauma. So it, it's yeah. important that it's this rigorous. Um, and then when I was going through it, I realized, okay, holy shit, like I need to, I need to look at myself and I need to be able to heal from my traumas and my struggles yeah. before I can help others. And also I was very curious because I always saw it as the observer through my training, but I wanted to know, well, what would my clients be like if I were mm. to do it on them? Yeah. It's really interesting. So I found an EMDR therapist and I did, you know, trauma therapy for, with, with an EMDR therapist and it was life-changing, which even enhanced more how much, how strongly I felt about it and how confident I was in delivering it and helping my own clients. Yeah. I think that's so big. I think I, I saw a lot of people like, we can only like really bring some people through as much as we've experienced, right? Like how can mm -hmm. I confidently say this is going to change your life if I haven't experienced it myself? I mean, same mm -hmm. with when I did MER, um, during our training, like it was like a two week training, exactly like you, um, we had to be the client at one point because we have our yeah. own shit and traumas to oh, heal from. Totally. But totally. then it gave you that confidence, like, holy cow, mm -hmm. my life has just completely changed. I have to share this to more people with that confidence and knowing. Um, mm -hmm. So cool. That's a really, that's awesome that you had a really yeah. good experience around it. I am. Um, Absolutely. Definitely. I'm very curious. I really want to experience the difference. <laughs> I'm actually having a breakthrough session today. Like I'm the client. Um, cause I just oh, love cool. to constantly go deeper and deeper in just different areas of life. And I just yeah. think it, um, it, it just, I think enhances like us as we continuously learn in our, not only our education, but just as being students and, and mm -hmm. experiencing it ourselves. 
self-awareness um, is so important for life so important yeah well that's so cool that must have been such an amazing experience to be like mm-hmm. wow, very let me, unique very. let me go inside <laughs> what do I have what's the shit I need to heal from <laughs> totally we're human too right therapists again just like we started our conversation there's a reason why we chose to be therapists right so yeah. we gotta we gotta fix that and we gotta heal from that before we can help others <laughs> yeah and I think it's cool because it's like okay cool you you're walking the talk right I, I've unfortunately met a lot of people that just talk the talk but like mm-hmm. if you don't walk it how can you expect your client to do? I think it was Buddha. My mentor says, is it Buddha or someone who was like, this woman said, you know, tell, tell my son to stop eating sugar. It's so bad for him. He's like, okay, come back to me in a week. And in a week she brings her son back and he looks at him. He's like, okay, son, stop eating sugar. And she's like, why couldn't you have said that last week? And he's like, because how can I tell him to do something that I haven't even done myself? Right. Like coming from more of a wisdom, like embodied place versus just me telling you there's this, there's yeah. a different energy to it and I think that's important when it comes to this line of work my belief and but. clients yeah totally and clients know that clients can tell when you're you know when you're bsing them or when you're just not didn't do the work yourself they know they feel the difference in the energy so when people truly feel understood and heard that's when you can make that connection as a professional with them whether it's again yes. a coach or a therapist the trust. Um, and that's the goal. Exactly. That's the goal. If there's no report, if there's no alliance between the therapist and the client, we can't help them. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, so we've talked a lot about trauma and like some resources and healings. How, how do you help your clients or how could you help those listening right now identify, um, you know, related red flags around them potentially even having trauma? Cause maybe someone yeah. has no idea that they have trauma until this conversation. That's a great question. And that's a great point too, Tatiana, because a lot of the time for consultation calls, I get people who, because EMDR is not my only specialty. So I also do dialectical behavior therapy and I work with clients who struggle with eating disorders as well. Um, And I do intuitive eating therapy. And a lot of the time I get consultation calls for people specifically who say, Lihi, I saw you specialize in EMDR. I know I have trauma. Let's get to it. Sweet. Awesome. So I guide them in that. Of course, we don't just jump in, but they know, they know they have trauma and they want to work on their trauma. So they're kind of like one step ahead of the game. A lot of the time I get people who come in and just want to start therapy or Mm -hmm. they feeling maybe some, you know, uneasy symptoms. Maybe they do have an actual diagnosis. Maybe they are actually depressed or struggle with anxiety or bipolar or borderline personality disorder. I work a lot with clients who struggle with BPD, borderline personality. Um, So they know what they want to work on, but they don't necessarily realize that they may have trauma. Mm. And I always share with them in our consultation call that being trained as a trauma therapist allows me to be able to look at their cases and look at their lives from a very different perspective because I apply that lens and I apply that knowledge and I'm able to examine and see what may have happened to them throughout their lives that probably was registered as trauma. And then be able to guide them in realizing that it was traumatic. Again, not tell them because it's not my job to tell them, but be able to guide them and help them find that inherent wisdom within themselves to be able to point it out. Um, and that's how we're able to help them recognize that they actually need to uh, evolve our therapy, work together and take it to that next level of trauma therapy. But I do it very patiently. I collaborate with my clients. I believe that I'm an expert of my own field and they're experts of themselves, even though they don't realize mm-hmm. that just yet. So. I rely on their feedback. You know, I'm not perfect either. So if we go in a direction that doesn't work for them, I ask them to let me know so we can switch gears. If we go in a direction that really resonates with them and hits home, I ask them to let me know so we can dig even deeper, right? So it's a lot of collaboration work and it's really about 
even someone is not able to identify whether or not they have trauma, it's my responsibility as the expert to be able to help them gain that awareness and recognize them, recognize that, but also definitely not ever impose or tell them that this is trauma and this must be trauma because maybe I consider it as traumatic, but again, they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But some other red flags to, to look for is anything that we kind of mentioned earlier that aligns with maybe PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And again, someone doesn't necessarily have to have the actual criteria, the actual diagnosis, but we see a lot of maybe constantly feeling on edge, um, intense fear, emotional dysregulation, inability to deal with emotions and cope with emotions, maybe nightmares or night terrors, difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating. Now, as I'm saying these, I do understand that these symptoms also have to do with depression and anxiety or sleep insomnia, right? Or a lot of things that don't even necessarily have to do with just trauma. So this is why people need to identify just problems that are happening in their lives as red flags and then pursue consultation with an expert and a professional who could guide them in, okay, this is probably trauma or this is probably depression or this is probably anxiety, et cetera. Yeah, no, I love that because we don't want you to just listen to this and be like, okay, there's my trauma. Like, no, like, exactly. <laughs> like maybe I, yeah, like just have a curious mind because that will allow you to get you to the answers, to get you to the healing. And it's not something to just be like, oh, whatever, everyone has trauma. I'm just going to live on with my life. Like, no, that trauma can get bigger and it will make its presence known and (laughs) it will hold you back from Mm -hmm. achieving what you want to achieve. Right. Like when I work with clients, I'm like, okay, where's this, where's this like um, conflict? What's going on here? Why are you not doing what you say you want to do? Or why is this X, Y, Z? And it's like, okay, there's a belief or there's trauma. Okay. So you got to address that to be able to, to get to that next level. And I want to tie that into like manifestation here really quick. Cause I talk a lot about manifestation yeah. and I was in the bath yesterday and I was like, Oh, I feel like the reason why I've been able to manifest just even more now is because I've addressed the wounds and the traumas mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when we have trauma or these wounds, like, it's like, I don't know, think of yourself, like having Swiss cheese, like all holes in yourself <laughs> or like, um, fragmented parts of your soul, whatever, whatever you want, like your brain can like visualize, but when you heal, heal from the pains or heal from the trauma, you, you become closer, you become more whole again. Mm -hmm. And you step into like that next version of yourself, that new potential. And Mm -hmm. spiritually speaking, like I, the, what came to me was like, oh, this is how you manifest because you're closer and closer to who you truly are your best self, because you've done the work of the healing. And that allows you to vibrationally rise you're no longer getting anchored by the past pains and memories. And that allows you to then be that best version of yourself and then manifest. And I think Absolutely. so many people see on TikTok, like, oh, just declare what you want and journal out how to manifest. And it's like, <laughs> yes. And you have to address the shit from the past. And this is why, like, I know many of you, when you're listening here, like, you know, why I preach healing inner work, mm-hmm. because this is the way that's going to allow you to have that dream life relationship careers by addressing some of these things. And so I just kind of wanted to just tie that in here because this work isn't easy, but it's worth it. I'm assuming exactly. like when you handled or healed your traumas, mm-hmm. that must have, you know, supported your life in such beautiful ways oh, as well. Completely. It was completely 180 degrees change of everything in my life, all aspects of my life, relationships. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. even as a therapist, it made me a better therapist. 
and made me better and more successful in being able to help others and, and connect with others on a very different level that not a lot of people can understand if they don't do the work themselves. Yeah. And I think it's just like, you, you deserve to feel happy. You deserve to feel free. You don't have to have that, whatever, even if it was a small bullying moment or a really like very um, heavy event, Mm-hmm. you deserve to be free of it. You don't have to carry that. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really big message. I want everyone listening here. And I, and I know that's what you do. Cause that's the work you, you know, yeah. you do as well. It's like, this isn't yours to carry anymore. And it's time to do the work so you can be free from those chains. Cause totally. they aren't you. It's just something you experienced. That doesn't mean you have to like drag that along your, your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. What would you say are your specific habits for healing, dealing with emotions that come up for yourself now? Absolutely. That's a great question. The way I look at healing is again, very subjective. And this is something that I find in therapy a lot to come up. It's like we define trauma as subjective. Healing is subjective too. And we've touched base on that earlier too. What works for one person may not work for everyone. So it's really about doing that self-exploration and you don't have to do it alone. Ask for help and ask and educate yourself and ask the questions and do research on what is out there that has Mm -hmm. helped people. And will that help? Will that help me? And can that work for me? For me, the biggest thing that's ever helped me is therapy. <laughs> I would lie if I, if I said you know anything else but therapy. If it weren't for therapy in my own work, I would not be where I am now and I would not be able to help others the way I have. So going to therapy, being able to even balance that with coaching, being able to really make time to invest in yourself, which is the best investment we'll ever make, the one that we make in yeah. ourselves. Being able to take the time once a week, every other week, just to do this work with a professional that can guide you and support you in that healing, in my opinion, is the foundation. It's mm-hmm. absolutely the foundation. And then the work and the healing really happens outside of therapy, right? I always yeah. tell my clients, we meet once a week for like less than an hour. There's absolutely no way that we can transform your life just 50 minutes every week. So that's how long uh, sessions usually last. The work and the deep work and the heavy work happens outside of therapy. Yeah. So I always give my clients, depending on the person and the situation, tools and homework or things to reflect on and, or activities to engage in in the six days that we're not meeting so we can continue to build on the inside and the epiphany that we're creating in, in session. So for me personally, things that have worked is a lot of self-care, prioritizing that self-care and prioritizing balance. I do really well with routine and it's a shared you, you know, human universal thing. I'm not the only one. Um, so routine is something that really works. And again, don't compare your routine to other people. Mm-hmm. When someone's routine may not look the same as you, as yours, but it doesn't mean that your routine is not effective or successful in, in making you heal. Yeah. Um, so engaging in routines that are helpful, engaging in self-care activities. And when I talk about self-care, I always let my clients know that I don't talk about, you know, going to a spa day once a month or getting a massage once a month. <laughs> I talk about real self-care every single day. Um, without undermining or underestimating the, the impact that it can have on us. So how can we add pleasant moments in the daily and mundane things that we already do, right? Yeah. Can I play my favorite playlist while I'm cooking dinner? I hate cooking dinner. I'm not enjoying it, but I have to because I'm trying you know, to feed myself and nurture myself and et cetera, et cetera. What can I do? It's something that I do every night. What pleasant event or activity can I add to that? Maybe mm-hmm. I play my favorite playlist. 
Maybe I put, you know, my diffuser on, right? Maybe I put the background my favorite show, right? And let it play. Um, maybe I call uh, my best friend or a family member or my partner and talk. How can I add pleasant experiences to these mundane things that we already do? Right? I love that. And that is my kind of key for healing and success. I love that because it, today was that yes, no, yesterday I dropped an episode. It was really quick because I didn't listen to it, but it's like the truth on self-care. And I like debunk these BS myths. That, like, yeah. Self-care isn't getting your nails done or getting, you know, new hair extensions or I don't know, like a face mask. Like those are forms of, you know, taking care of yourself, but that's not true self-care. That's not mm-hmm. dressing the emotions or the pains that are going on. And like self-care is true. Self-care is the healing work and, and, and that, um, that love cultivating that love mm-hmm. within yourself to be able to feel that freedom. And, mm-hmm. um, so I love that you pointed that out because I'll oh, see you guys. I'm not the only one that says that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and, yeah. and investing in yourself, like you said, like it's, it's I mean, another podcast episode right before this was, you're, you're just, you're just validating everything I'm saying. You are the best <laughs> investment, right? Cause there is nothing without you. And I, yeah. I hear so many people saying like, I can't even afford therapy right now, or I can't mm. even afford this. And I'm like, yes, I, I, I can see that. And I, I can also see that you're buying Starbucks every other day that you're buying all these books that are fictional. Mm-hmm. You're doing this. Okay, cool. So if you can't afford investing in therapy right now, how can mm-hmm. you afford, you know, maybe like you said, like bringing pleasant moments into your life or listening to podcasts or reading a book that actually is supporting you or getting resourceful and saving your money. Don't go out for drinks on the weekend and pay for your therapy session. Because at the end of the day, what is it costing you not addressing your pains or your problems or your behaviors? It's going to cost you a lot in the long run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Great point. <laughs> it just got a little spice because I hear, I hear that excuse a little too much. And, and mm-hmm. like you said, my, my first form of healing back in the day was therapy. It mm-hmm. was, um, well, I was forced into therapy <laughs> mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. I didn't love that, but then eventually I found some like, um, relief after, after talking about what was going on internally. And then mm-hmm. I continued that throughout the years, which then obviously guided me into who I am and where I am today. And, um, therapy has been super healing for me. Coaching has been, obviously I do breath work, which has done wonders for me, but it's not about, Oh, this works for Tatiana or this works for Lee. Like it's going to work for me. No, find what works for you. Right. I mean, a big part of embrace your radiance, which is my group program is I share a lot of different tools and, and, and techniques and, and healing modalities and I, I share it all, not for them to add it all into their routines and get overwhelmed. I share it, be like, give this a try. How did this feel? Right. Different options. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Maybe one day it's this, but maybe another day it's that. Right. But it's like, mm-hmm. how can you, like you bring your clients, how can you add more tools into your tool belt and mm-hmm. acquire more coping mechanism tools for your future? And that's really what it, what it comes down to. Totally. Because different situations will require different tools and different skills and coping. Oh my God. Yeah. Like if I'm feeling angry, I don't always like sit down in meditation. I allow myself to put on some music and I like move that anger energy out. And, yeah. and sometimes that looks differently every time. Sometimes I dance, sometimes I punch a pillow. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's Absolutely. no shame in it, but it is, there's different tools and techniques. Um, yeah. And that's true that. emotional intelligence, Tatiana, when we know what emotions, we, what emotion we're feeling, 
why we're feeling it, what triggered it. We're able to identify all of that. And then we also can identify a coping skill for that. That, that is mastering emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my first books. Um, I like skimmed it cause I was not in the right headspace was, was emotional te- intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. my, the CEO for the company I used to work for when I was in corporate gave that to us and it mm-hmm. was cool. It was a cool, it was a cool awareness book. Cause not many people have emotional intelligence and, um, when you become more aware of yourself and your emotions, you become more of a master and more control of your life. So that's a good book for those of you. Do you have any tools and resources that you would recommend for those listening when it comes to just improving their life, healing, anything around those? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I actually do really appreciate and respect social media. I think social media can be really helpful in the right situations and in the right times, right? So um, if, if it's handled appropriately and responsibly, it can be super helpful. I mean, we wouldn't be able to be on the podcast if it wasn't for, you know, social media and all these good stuff. So we want to understand that resources are out there um, and knowledge is out there and it's really up to us to pursue it and look for it and find the resource that's going to be helpful for us, just like we said. Um, so any social media and on, any online accounts that work for people, um, go ahead and start just typing some keywords, healing, therapy, um, uh, coping with depression, coping with anxiety, trauma therapy, um, even be more specific, EMDR, DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, and just kind of see what comes up. Look for these accounts that are going to be very specific and that read the bio information of the professional, like make sure they are actually legit. They have their certifications, they have their credentials listed um, just so we know that you're actually getting a pro- uh, support and you're getting mm-hmm. information from someone who is actually trained and legit in that. Um, maybe someone who has, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that if they have a low followers base, they're not good or they don't know what they're doing, they could be just starting out, but just look for someone who is very solid and has solidified their content and material. That would be really, really helpful. Um, another resource that I like to recommend others is psychologytoday.com. So if you go online, it's an online directory of therapists um, and even they have psychiatrists on it and, and, and um, psychotherapists as well. And what you do is you would just put your area, your zip code. Do you want to see someone in person or do you prefer virtual? You know, ever since COVID, telehealth therapy is real and it's happening every single day and it's very successful and, and, and more people actually are drawn to that nowadays. So you can pick and choose what you want. You can either look for someone who, based on their rates, we talked about affordability, right? There are, there is some low cost therapy out there. There's mental health community out there to help those who may be struggling or need a financial break, which is totally respectable and understandable. Yeah. Um, so we can filter through that. You can go ahead and read therapists and their bios and their information. You can see videos and photos they have. And then you can even schedule a free consultation with them. So for example, I'm on psychologytoday.com myself and people by reading my profile and seeing my bio, they're able to feel like they can connect with me and then they can go directly to my website and schedule a consultation. So that's another great resource to see, kind of get your you know your toes wet a bit and, and see how to go about taking that first step. I love that. Love that. And that's a great segue. So for those listening today, if they were like, yeah. holy, wow, I got some things to work <laughs> on. What would you say are their next steps and where can they find you, learn more about you, maybe possibly work with you? Yeah, I would love that. Absolutely. I hope people are really resonating with what they're hearing today. That's the goal, you know, yes. like really just make an impact on as many people as we can and spread that knowledge and awareness. So um, thank you for everyone who 
tuned in today and listened. And I would be really honored and privileged to be able to work with, with those who really want it and, and wanting to work on their healing. Um, so my website is everyone's best bet. So I own my own private practice, Wise Mind Wellness. Um, and the website is wisemindwellnessfl, as in florida.com. And if you go on, or you can even put my name in Google um, and you will find directly my website. And you can scroll through. I have a lot of information there on what I do. I talk more about EMDR, DBT therapy, intuitive eating therapy. I talk about my resources and my skills, credentials. I have even um, online testimonials and reviews. I have videos. I have some other podcast episodes on my website too. So go ahead and check that out. And if you're happy with what you like and what you see, scroll all the way down to the bottom. And there is a contact um, sheet that you can go ahead and fill out. Um, and then it goes directly to my email and I'll see it and I'll respond right away and I'll go ahead and schedule a consultation. So we'll hop on the phone. It's a complimentary 15 to 20 minute consultation where I get to really hear your goals and what you're looking for. I share even more about myself and how I can support you and help you in the best way. We make sure that we vibe well and we're, we're a good match. And then we take that to that next step. And I do everything very patiently with lots of comfort and support. I'm really meeting the clients where they're at. I love that. love that. And I'll put all of everything links. Yes. All the information <laughs> down below on in the show notes for everyone to have an easier way to find your website awesome. and find a way to contact you. Well, thank you so much for being on. Do you have any last words, anything on your heart, anything else you want to share to those listening? Yeah. It's never too late to take the first step. So just by listening and tuning into today's podcast, that was the first step. Just by taking a deep breath and telling yourself that you can go, you can do this and you can help yourself. That's the first step. Submitting an email, making a phone call. Never underestimate the power of just taking that first step because without the first step, nothing else will come after. So thank you everyone for listening. It was so much fun, Tatiana. Thank you for your time and all the insight and feedback. It was I really love cool. That. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah. If you guys enjoyed this, please like screenshot it, tag both of us on Instagram. If you have questions, reach out to me, reach out to her. Maybe, you know, if you want a part two episode and go in a little bit more deeper on a specific topic, like let us Would know. Love that. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and valued so much and I will see you all on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Tatiana. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with me and write an Apple iTunes review so I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me, you can find me on Instagram at Tatiana underscore Kuto. Make sure to tag me in any posts that you share. I love and appreciate you so much and cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out and radiate your light into the world.